You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Listed property has come roaring back this year following its uh, Annus Horribilis last year thanks to the pandemic. And the JSE announced today that the new funds Reetway Global Property Exchange Traded Fund has listed on the main board. Now, the new funds Reetway Global Property ETF uh, is uh, giving local investors exposure to listed property stocks in the Americas, Asia Pacific, Europe and the Middle East. To find out more, I'm joined now by Gareth Alston, CIO of Reetway Global. Gareth? The, the last time we spoke, I think, was in Poland, face-to-face, which feels like a lifetime ago, thanks to COVID. Uh, hope you're keeping well. Yes, I am good. Good to be on the show again and good to be chatting. Unfortunately, I think it would be lovely if it was uh, in, in summer in Poland, but uh, we'll, we'll make the best of where we are now. Yeah, we'll uh, hopefully catch up in, in Eastern and Central Europe in the not-too-distant future because that remains a, a very enticing and interesting theme, despite what SPA was uh, revealing in its results yesterday. Still a very attractive market uh, for retailers. Now, the, the new fund's Retway Global Property ETF, as it's called, is the fourth international property ETF to actually list on the JSE, and it's going to be tracking the Retway Global Property Index. So just tell me a little bit more about this index and... And, and how it's constructed. With pleasure. So this is an index that we've been working with our partners who are, are GPR, and they are a, an index provider based in the Netherlands. We've been working with them since about 2014 on the construction of a customized index that we believe tracks and gives uh, increased performance versus the generalized, uh, broad-based uh, indices that are out there. Um, so what we do is we we have a we would like to outperform you know the, the GPR's own basic indices as well as the FTSE Epinarit indices that just capture large, basically every listed property stock um, globally. And to do that, we have to go. We have set up. Uh, we've been running tests and different methodologies and back and forth, as I say, for for many years now. And uh, over the last few years now, we've we've come up with a, a mechanistic model that we believe works well and results in an index that does outperform on a consistent basis. So we, we're quite uh, quite happy with that. And so obviously, you know, these things can be a little bit technical and they can go into depth on us, but uh, we have also made sure that, that we're very open and transparent with uh, how it is uh, is constructed. So we have uh, the whole index methodology is actually available on our website. So uh, 20 pages there if people want to go through that. And we'll also be posting all the constituents of the index as well as they are or done um, on our website too, so for transparency. And just give us an idea, I don't want to go into all of that detail, but uh, in terms of the constituents, how many REITs are we talking about that the index tracks to, to give you this global slice uh, and exposure? So it's not a, a set amount, but it will typically be between 20 and 50 stocks that will be in the, the index at any one time. Um, at the moment, it currently has 20, um, but it can go a little bit higher, but it's not, not fixed. But we wouldn't see it going really beyond at 50 um, too often at all. Now, in terms of the property asset class, how do you view property in terms of the allocation strategy that a typical sort of long-term buy-and-hold investor 
would employ right now. Considering what we saw last year and that that big sell-off, there were all kinds of discussions around in the local market in particular, too much leverage, uh, the payout ratios, the quality of some of the income being generated by the sector was certainly brought into question when the tide went out. Uh, how do you view global property in terms of this allocation strategy? So, you know, for, for us, it's, it's we believe that most investors don't have enough exposure to, to global property in their, in their portfolios. Over over the long run, uh, you know, it'll be between five to twenty years. Global property typically adds superior investment returns and lower volatility as part of that portfolio constituent. And really, you know, not having exposure does actually harm your portfolio performance over the long run. Um, and the, the the plus also, I think, which African investors often forget. That uh, in a global sense, obviously, is, is global in scope, and then has depth and breadth through 25 sectors and subsectors as well. It performed very differently. So, mm. you know, last year, even though it was a bit of a, a horrible year, uh, at certain for some of the sectors, for example, retail, it was uh, an extremely positive year for sectors such as logistics and warehousing and data centers, where we had several stocks that did over 100% in the year, for example. And that's the beauty of it. It provides something that's a little bit defensive, a little bit uncorrelated to what else is going in in the market. And that's ultimately what you're trying to do in terms of a broader allocation strategy when you diversify, just to give solidity and strength to your portfolio. We are in an environment currently, Gareth, and I'm sure this is a big talking point amongst property analysts at the moment, where the big fear and concern is rising inflation in the US and potentially elsewhere around the world uh, in the wake of the pandemic and all of the spending, all of the stimulus and and whether or not rising bond yields uh, will potentially hurt global property returns. Where do you sit on this? So, we, we, you know, the, the main thing to remember is that people erroneously assume that, that property is, is a bond proxy and it really isn't. It's its own asset class. It's very different. It, it's, it's a business that operates in the real economy. So it's, it's not a bond proxy, it's not a bond, it doesn't work that way. We have data, you know, going back to about 1975, we're looking at, at how uh, listed real estate works versus uh, bonds as well as versus the general equity classes. So what we do find is that typically people do panic at times when, uh, when yields are moving up and, uh, and, and listed property underperforms for a short period. And then what happens is looking at about uh, 180 days to a year post that, it typically comes back uh, not quite often actually takes back all that underperformance and then goes beyond that and outperforms and general equities. And, and you know, this is really because it's, it's, it's when, you've got it, you, when you've got these yields moving in, in the way that they do now, it's typically a sign of an economy that's recovering, that's growing, which is very good for the underlying, uh, you know, mm. different sectors within the, the, the property class. And so in, in actual fact, it actually performs very well when you go back and look at the data. And that actually makes sense. Uh, somewhat counterintuitively initially, you just, only just think it's a bond proxy, but if the economy is normalizing and interest rates are rising, it does potentially signal that there's almost full employment in the US, the consumer's healthy, it means they're out there, they're shopping in retail centers, uh, and they're also potentially uh, making use uh, of, of more office space. And all of that does flow into the bottom line of these companies that operate, as you say, in the real economy. I just want to turn to the South African REIT sector. And from your vantage point, uh, you, you are a watcher of the sector. Why do you think 
South African REITs performed so badly during the pandemic. As I, and I said earlier, there was a big discussion around leverage and maybe too much leverage and, and some of the payout ratios and some of the quality of income that was being generated by the sector. What are some of the big issues that lead to this underperformance last year? You know, the, those are definitely the factors that you mentioned. And also the, the main thing, you know, with, with the South African uh, listed property space is uh, the bar, bulk of the exposure really is still in the, the retail and the office spaces, which really are the ones who got hit globally um, extremely hard by, by the pandemic. And um, it, it, it takes a while for those to recover, and they have started to recover. Um, but, you know, we don't have a lot of – we finally do have some small exposure now through some specialist players like on the, on the self-storage space and logistics and warehousing space. But in general, our market is still very concentrated in, in the, the traditional sectors as such, um, which really were the spaces that you did not want to be. And they're very linked to growth in the real economy. Um, the, the balance sheets of most of, the, of our, of our of our best-in-class uh, REITs are actually we're not as bad as I think people might have assumed. Uh, you know, you can look at your growth points for resilience, because they actually have done quite well and actually recovered quite strongly. Um, so it's, I think it's not as people would, there was a lot of panic at the start. You know, if you go mm-hmm. back to, to March last year, is there was a general panic and people were selling as quickly as they can. And then we actually saw very strong bounces, but it's it's still going to, our, our sector really needs a recovery in the real economy, which doesn't seem to be as robust as we've seen globally, unfortunately. I, I mean, that, that almost flows perfectly into my next question, which was going to be looking at the balance sheets. How resilient uh, would they be if cap rates were adjusted upwards as net rentals continue to come under pressure? We don't see that rebound in the real economy that uh, we need to see. Yeah, look, they're, they're going to be the winners and losers. And there are a couple of, of players that have situated themselves in, in a better position. They have gone out and raised capital, even if they might not have needed to. Uh, when they've had the opportunity to do that, they've shored up their balance sheets. They, they have gone about really trying to structure the business that it will be a little bit more resilient. And then we have a couple of other players who are not in as good a situation, who's sitting with asset class that are under major pressure and who are not paying out distributions as well. So obviously, you know, being seen by investors as obviously not the place where they want to be. And also then potentially running afoul eventually, you know, if we get the JSC to actually rule oh. on what happens to companies who don't pay distributions but who are still passing their solvency and liquidity uh, regulations, uh, which is kind of my personal bugbear. Well, well, what do you make of that, Gareth? The fact that we have so many of these local REITs clearly passing the solvency and liquidity test, but but still choosing not to pay out their distributions. And I mean, the most recent one was redefined. They don't have to at the interim stage. They only have to make the decision at year end. But they continue to retain REIT status, and, and we don't hear a, a bleep from the JSE. It, 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 I find it, you know, as an international investor, you know, we, we, we get to pick and choose the best markets that we want to be in. So, you know, when we look at markets here and we see this type of, of thing happening, it, it, it makes us say, you know, we, we're happier, we're rather put a little bit more into the U.S., even though we might think there's, there's, there's little glimmers of opportunity in South Africa. But, but we, we find it it's quite mind-boggling at times that the JSC uh, and even the SA Read Council at times has just been so slow on actually putting out a definitive answer to investors and market participants as to mm. this is what's going to happen this is what's not going to happen we are we're just you know saying we, we're not going to actually be implementing the regulations for, for for the time being because of this and it's now frozen for three years or two years or, or whatever but 
zero communication. It's it's just as a as a, as a global investment professional, I, I find it mind-boggling to be honest. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line, we have to provide a market that is up there with the best in the world. Uh, and uh, the communication at this point uh, has certainly been very uh, third world, to put it bluntly. Looking at the uh, the new funds Retway Global Property ETF, it does bring the number of listed uh, ETFs on the JAC to 82. We've got a market cap now at uh, just over uh, 100, or should I say, just under 110 billion, as I see it today. Uh, how do retail investors get access to this now? What must they be looking for, and where can they find more information? So all the information will be on our site. Um, we, have, as I said, we will be disclosing everything. Um, all the price information is there. The index methodology is there. The holdings will go up there as well. Uh, they can get it through their brokers. Um, it's got a very competitive price as well. We we, we believe we are, have a price of, of, of 60 basis points plus that, which we believe is, is very competitive for a, a customized index. So it's not just a, a basic index that just takes, you know, what there is and give it. So there's been a lot of work and, and intellectual property that we've put into this. So in that, that regard, we think it's actually a very cost-effective view. And, and also because the aim is, you know, we, we active managers, we want to provide alpha. So even when we're providing a, a passive-type mechanistic product, we still want it to be able to outperform the general indices, especially after fees, because otherwise what are investors getting? And what are the fees on the product, Gareth? It's 60 basis points plus fat. That was Gareth Elston, Chief Investment Officer of Retway Global with the new fund's Retway Global Property ETF.